you know, I, uh, I don't know if what I have to share tonight is necessarily a teaching. I just want to share from my heart, if that's okay. Um, if you guys were here on Sunday, Pastor Raid said something that really touched my heart, and it may seem like a very simple thing that he was prophesying, but what he said Sunday during his message is change is coming. Change is coming to new life. And he even said, it's already started. And the Lord spoke to me right then and there. And it wasn't to bring fear or any type of correction, but it was a word of caution that the Lord brought to my spirit right away. And what he said to me, he said a couple of things. And the one thing he said was that the foundation is going to be shaken of yesterday's religion. Can you say amen? It's going to be shaken. And it's not that we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, amen, but yesterday's doctrine and yesterday's teachings and yesterday's religion is going to be shaken as the new wine, amen, as we receive the new wine. And if you recall last teaching, last Wednesday, Pastor Ray was talking, and this really hit me hard too, he was talking about the subjective, do you remember this? He was talking about on the, on the whiteboard here, he was talking about the subjective and the objective. And God was speaking to me, and he was saying that to caution us to get extremists in any side of that. And he brought me to the scripture in John chapter 4, and you all know the story about the woman at the well, and she was trying to get Jesus sidetracked with all these specific questions, and Jesus said something. He said, the hour is coming and is now. Everyone say now. The hour is coming and is now where God the Father is seeking true and the key here is true worshipers. Now, when I say worshipers, I want us to just defrag a little bit. And I'm not, we're not talking about praise and worship. We're talking about worth-ship. We're talking about who we are in Christ. Amen? And he says, the hour is coming and is now where God the Father is seeking true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And it connected for me what Pastor Ray was talking about last week. And that scripture is a living, is a living scripture that's talking about bringing the objective and the subjective and bringing it in an alignment where we have both worship in spirit, the subjective, and his truth, his authoritative word of God, is the objective. And I thought that was pretty cool. So the hour is coming and is now. Change is coming and is now where he is seeking true worshipers. And I believe that part of the new wine, as we get our wineskins ready, is going to be the worship that first and foremost, him working in us, right? God's more concerned about working in us than through us. He does work through us. He chooses to use us as his conduits and vessels. But first and foremost, he needs to work in us. And we need to allow him the right to work in us. 
We've heard it said that God's in control. I'm here to tell you that's a wrong doctrine. God is not in control. He's in charge, and he wants to be in control, but we need to yield that control to him. Can you say amen? It's scriptural. The Bible says, Paul said that, for it is God that works in us to do and to will, to will and to do for his good pleasure, okay? So if God's not working in us, we can't do these things that Pastor Ray has been talking about. And I do want to talk about healing tonight, but I want to share a little bit of my story because God is doing the new wine is bringing the subjective, like Ray was talking about, and the objective, and he's going he's to bring it together. It's going to come into alignment, and it's going to be balanced, okay? It's not going to be just the law, the objective, the truth. So when Jesus said to that woman at the well that he's seeking true worshipers, and worship involves what we do, what we think, what we say. Remember, worship is worth-ship. It's actually, pictor it's actually pictured of a dog licking his master's hand. That's the subservient and the obedient and the yielding and the bowing. That's why Scripture is very specific about posture and bowing and kneeling. It's that, it's that sense of not only obedience, but it's that adoration to the Lord. So God is seeking worshipers. It just hit me when, when, when Ray said, change is coming and is now. I just thought of it, and now. God is, God is seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I just sense as we bring that object and subject, subjective together, listen, here, here's the deal. The, the religious spirit is not going to like this, okay? Matter of fact, the church could get a little thinner, you know, and I don't mean thinner this way. It could get, but you know what? God is shaking some things up, and it's, and it's for his goodness and for his glory, so I, I wanted to say that. And then in this, there's another scripture, one more scripture. I'm just prefacing what I want to share today, but I was just so encouraged by Sunday's word and the prophecy that came forth because in Matthew 20:16, and you all know the, the scripture, it says that uh, many are called, but few are chosen. And I often just glossed over that scripture, and I, I, was, I traditionally thought of that as a salvation thing. And God spoke to me and gave me a word of knowledge that many churches are called. Many individuals are called. Many families are called. Many marriages are called. Many children are called. And the thing is, few choose to submit and to yield to the process that God has to work in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. There's just many people out there that have a mighty call of God in their life and a, and a real vision for the things of God, but they, it's, they have a hard time choosing to submit and to yield to that work. You know, God is so patient. He was so patient with me for, for 15 years. I, I try to do things my own way. I mean, I was saved. I was in the church. Even God was using me. I was a worship leader, but I, I wasn't choosing. I, I, he was my co-pilot sometimes. You know, I was in the Navy, and in the Navy, on the, on the, on the, in the ship, on the Navy, on, on the bridge, okay, there's the, uh, there's the captain, or who's in charge of the deck, and then there's the helmsman and the lee helmsman. The helmsman is the guy that steers the ship, steers the rudder, 
with, 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 the, with the device. And the Lee Helmsman operates the speed of the ship. And God, God had been my Lee Helmsman and my Helmsman for many, many years. I let him be that. But when, when the captain of the XO comes on the bridge, it says, officer on deck. And everybody just, officer on deck. Jesus had seldom been my officer of the deck, but I allowed him to be co-pilot every now and then. And he's been doing a great work in me, and he's doing a great work in you. And he wants to be master of your life. He wants to be master. So many of us know him as Lord. Many of us know him as Savior and fire insurance. And there's some that know him as Lord. But God is calling us in this hour if we are going to do what God's ultimately calling us as individuals and New Life Fellowship to do, he needs to be master. He needs to be master. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that you're bringing, I thank you for bringing change, first and foremost, in our heart. Lord, we know that's where revival starts, Lord. Lord, long before it can begin to manifest itself in the natural, Lord, revival has to start in our hearts, Lord, and a willingness to change and yield and submit to your ways, Father God. I just ask you that tonight that we will make our plans, but you direct our steps, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for the prophetic words that have come forth and that willingness for us to not only be called, but to choose and to be chosen, Lord, as a peculiar nation, Lord a royal priesthood, Lord. We thank you for that. And I just pray that somehow I can articulate, Lord, what you've put on my heart to your people, and they would be blessed, Lord. Father God, I pray against yesterday's religion and the traditions of man that says that a Wednesday service has to be any more different than a Sunday service, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would resound and just show up, Lord, Father God, just as you want to do on every day, Lord, in our lives, Father God. Lord, I even just ask you for the gifts right now, even in, even in the children, Lord, as they're entering into your rest right now. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You know, when I asked the Lord, when Pastor Ray asked me to share tonight, and I, I really felt like I wanted to try to stay on topic to, uh, to healing and impartation, but I felt strongly the Lord tell me in my spirit that he wanted to shift just a little bit, and he wanted to shift from a practical application of impartation and the ministry of healing, and I just sensed that we need healing. Amen. And I just felt a, a need uh, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to just take a step back and get us to understand that our healing, our, our need for healing and our acknowledgement of need, that need for healing is critical in the impartation process. Because sometimes, often subconsciously, if we have not allowed the Lord to heal us, a lot of times we're imparting something that we don't intend to impart when the, when the ministry, amen? God is wanting our, the ministry of healing and the ministry of impartation and all the ministry at New Life to be just so much more than what Paul calls a form of godliness. He wants a ministry with power. 
How many here want power? I don't, I'm sick of the form of godliness. I want power. I want a manifestation of his power and his resurrection life. Can you say amen? Amen. So I, I, I do want to talk about that tonight. Sorry. If you, do you have your Bibles tonight? I really hope so, because we do have quite a few scriptures to get to tonight. Um, I want us to first understand that healing, now I forgot my password, great. Can you turn in your Bible to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17, and I thought this verse was very interesting to start with. Jeremiah verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 14. says, heal me, O Lord. I'm speaking, I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. We have a hard time, I have a hard time with this. Healing is a promise. Salvation's a promise to those who what? To those who receive it. Did you pray for salvation, or did you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, and you receive salvation? How many here received salvation? Okay. I cried out for a lot of things when I got saved. It wasn't for salvation, okay? I don't know about you, but I was praying to the porcelain gods, if you know what that is, okay? So my salvation came from, it was there to, to have it. It was a promise for those who received it. And our healing is the same way. And I just wanted to open up by saying that our healing is just as much available as our salvation was when we received salvation, okay? So it's not a matter of praying in my, you know, this, is, this may tread some waters here, but so what God was speaking to me is that let's stop, uh, let's stop praying for healing, if you would, and let's start professing the healing, Okay? Okay? We don't need to pray for something that we already have. Okay? I got a nice new truck out in that parking lot. I don't need to pray for a truck. I got a truck. It's right out there. I can see it. I can touch it. Okay? So why do we pray for something that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit and Word, says we already have? We already possess it. Now, here's the thing, and this is where we struggle. I struggle with this. We don't see the external evidence of the healing. And we get frustrated, and we equate that to we're not healed. And if you remember in the story, uh, Mary, okay, there was a story that sort of went like that where the, the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, um, you're going you're gonna to have a baby, and you're, it's going to be Jesus, and he's going to save the world, and you're highly favored. And God's going to impregnate you with the Holy Spirit? What did Mary say? How can that be? I, you know, I haven't been with a guy. I'm a virgin. How can this be? See, there was, no in, there was no external evidence that Mary was pregnant. So it, was, it would only be natural. I mean, if you were a virgin, let's face it, let's get real if you were a virgin and you hadn't been with a guy, it'd probably be difficult to, to, to receive a word that you're pregnant. 
But see, this is where Jesus and God confounds the wisdom of the world. And then he goes on to explain to her what's going to happen. So God set forth through the angel Gabriel a vision for Mary. You are going to be overshadowed. You are going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I don't know about you, but after, the, after she said, you know, this, this ain't happening, I haven't been with a man, all of a sudden he starts saying some things that began to excite me as I read it. And then what did she say? According to your word. Our healing needs to be professed according to his word. There's some of us that are going to see no external evidence that we are healed. It doesn't dismiss the fact that we are. Here's the thing. Whether you believe, I mean, I don't know what the, what the percentages is. Pastor Ray gives us the Barnard reports all the time, but something like 75% of professing Christians don't believe in the devil or hell. Well, guess what? It doesn't change the fact that there is. So you can believe that there isn't, and it doesn't change the facts. Our healing's the same way. We are healed. We are, I am righteous. Pastor Ray said that Sunday. By the blood, it, it's in his word, I am righteous. Now, my wife will tell you that I, the righteousness isn't manifested often. <laughs> But it doesn't dismiss the fact that I'm a mighty man of God. Okay? So, and it's what Karen came up and prophesied Sunday, that we've got to start getting a hold of our tongues and our mouths and calling the word what it is. Amen. He wants us to stop focusing on the external evidence of the promise and focus on the promise. So, let me... Let's start here. So when I, when I began to study the word about healing and our healing, I want to I wanna kind of uh, hit the refresh button. How many know that with that, the two arrows are on the computer? Uh, the other day at work, I was getting kind of locked up on a website, and I kept having to hit that refresh button to bring that web page back up, right, so I could see it clearly. So let's hit the refresh button tonight. Can we do that? And um, let's talk about... Uh, briefly, what do, you, what do you first think of? When we think of healing, for ourselves, let's be, real, let's be real. When we think of healing, I know automatically what comes to my mind. What, I mean, just shout it out. What, healing. Healing for what? I don't know. I think of physical. I think of physical sicknesses, right? Candace, we got, we got people in the body of Christ right now that have a physical sickness. And a lot of times, but... Unfortunately, we only think of that. And God wants to open up our minds tonight and just to talk about what does God's word have to say about what we need to be healed from. Because if we only concentrate on the physical part, the sickness part, especially when God's working in us to work through us, we're going to hit the mark a lot of times. And this is what was going on with me in Massachusetts. Okay, I was dismissing a lot of things that I marginalized as the things that were ultimately so important to me moving ahead with God. I thought of the big stuff. You know, it's, it's just like sin. When we think of sin, we think of, well, you know, I, 
praise God, he delivered me from cocaine and alcohol. I don't, I'm not cheating. I'm not cussing. I'm not doing this. I'm not stealing. And do you know what? Me giving the guy at Dunkin' Donuts an attitude, or even worse, at the drive-thru is just as much sin to the Lord, okay? And we need to understand that our healing's the same way. There's more to pray for and ask God for than just, uh, you know, Joe's tomato stub toe or Susie Cucumber's arthritis. And I don't want to make fun of that because we have some serious sicknesses even in, in, at New Life Fellowship. But just for a moment, let's see what else God has to say about what the areas in our life that we need healing for. Amen? So could somebody turn to Psalm 41.4? Actually, let's just all turn to Psalm 41.4. Here's a big one. The psalmist said, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul. <laughs> Boy, that pretty much opens up a lot, doesn't it? Heal my soul. How many know when we got saved, our spirit man got saved, but our soul man is being saved? daily, hourly, can you say amen sometimes? So there's a lot of soul issues that need to be healed, okay? And here's the thing. If, our, if my soul is not healed and I don't allow the Lord to have that area in my, in my heart, there's a good chance that as I minister to others, I could be ministering out of a past hurt. It, it's, it's subconscious sometimes, but put it this way, and as an example, it's, uh, I got hurt, let's say, Pastor Ray, this isn't you, but I got hurt by a pastor, let's say. I got, I, there was an offense, and I never allowed the Lord to heal me of that offense, and now I'm ministering to others and being used. That undealt with offense could creep in as we impart healing and try to minister to that other person. Okay? There could be a spirit. And, you know, not to be, not that we need to be perfect, but there is a scripture that says, Paul said to Timothy, do not hastily lay hands on people. You know? And I used to think that had to do with the person, what I was going to get from the other person. And God began to speak to me. He says, no, no, not so fast. You know, you with clean hands and a pure heart, you could be transferring and imparting something onto that person. So... Just saying. So Isaiah 61, let's see what else. So we need our soul healed. Isaiah 61, and you all know this scripture, he's anointed me to preach the gospel, amen. What does it say? Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you say amen? Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Right? So our heart needs to be made whole. Our heart needs to be made well. So we have our soul and we have our heart. Then you don't have to turn here. I'm just going to read some of these. So in Jeremiah chapter 3, 22, and you can write that down. It may be on your notes. I'm not a big notes guy, but I did some notes anyways just to kind of follow, follow the path. Let's see. Where's Jeremiah 3, 22? I'm iPad challenged. Bear with me. Return you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. 
Amen? So we got to heal our soul. Our soul needs healing. Amen? Our backslidings need healing. There's a lot of shame and guilt when we backslide. You know? I know we don't have any here tonight, but you could be ministering to those who have backslidden. And they're going to feel guilty. They're not going to want to come through the doors again because there's got a lot to be a lot of guilt. Here we go again. We're going around this mountain again. So we need our, we need our backslidings healed. And then in Jeremiah 30, I'm just trying to get us to see that there's so much more that the Lord has to heal us from other than just a physical sickness or a disease. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. Oh, this is a big one, saints. You know, we have a lot of scars. There's a lot of things and generational curses and addictions and, and real tough things that have happened in the world and sometimes to us, abortions, on and on and on. They develop scars and, and wounds, and those wounds that have not been dealt with and healed by the Holy Spirit and the Lord can come back to manifest themselves in, in a different way. You know, we have to, I'm just trying to get us to see that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to heal more than just our physical bodies and our sicknesses. There's so many trust issues out there. there there's just so many. And then the last one is Matthew, and this kind of sums it all up, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. I, as I read the Bible now, I'm, I'm to the point where I used to dismiss the, the simple words, the buts and the ands and the alls, and I'm really I'm, I'm starting to capture those words because there's such an emphasis on what the Lord is trying to say. So in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal. And everyone's, I want everybody to say the word all. To heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. There is so much out there, but our ability to minister in the right spirit in a potential situation where we could be imparting hurt to others if we don't allow. And this was the scripture that the Lord put on my heart to understand that he needs to work in us uh, before he works through us. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, it says, freely, freely you have received, freely you give. How many have ever heard the analogy that it's, it's really difficult to give and to impart God's love if we haven't first received God's love? It's tough. Now, we can still do it in faith, amen, but it's very difficult to really communicate and articulate God's love to somebody if we have not first received love. And I think the same thing can go for our healing. It's going to be difficult for us to really, purely minister to others unless God has continued to, that great work that he started in us. Can you say amen? And the reason is, is there's voices. There's voices and, and, and forces that are out there trying to get a hold of our minds and manipulate and twist things unbeknownst to us. The, the enemy loves it when we're not whole. He loves it when we're not made well and we're not healed of a certain thing because he can, at very minimum, he can limit our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. He can limit that when he keeps us held hostage in a certain area of our lives. 
Mm. So now I, I, I just want to share with you, the, when I was in Massachusetts and God began to, um, God began to speak to me, and I, I reached out to Pastor Ray, and he began to speak to me about, I just had no peace. You know, I was up there, and I was on, you know, as far as practically and worldly, I couldn't be in a better place. I mean, I was making more money than I had ever made. Um, I had more authority at work and my position. I was just climbing the corporate ladder. Um, things, could buy things, just like I said, we were, our, our family household income was higher than it had ever been. My stock in the corporation I was working for was very high. Um, I had a lot of privileges, a lot of flexibility, a lot of autonomous situations. And it got to the point where, um, like the prodigal who had asked for his um, inheritance, thank you, and I just felt like I was to the point where I said, Lord, why, why do I, how can I have all these things? Now, you think I should know better. I'd been walking with the Lord for 17 years. But uh, I said, wow, why is it, why do I have no peace? Why is there just no peace and I'm just so anxious all the time? And I was doing a walk around my neighborhood that I, I would typically do. And I believe the Lord spoke to me. And let me first say this. Has anybody ever asked a person a question and they answer it with a question? Doesn't that drive you bonkers? It drives me nuts. And, And I'm finding that's how God speaks to me. And I don't like it. I don't. I say, Lord, I didn't ask you a question. I want an answer, not a question. And I was walking, and I said, Lord, why is there no peace? What is going on? I feel like I'm like, I'm crawling out of my skin. Everything seems to be falling apart around me. There's strife in the home. This place is so dark. And I was just blah, 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 complaining, complaining, you know, Eeyore spirit. Woe is me. I'll be all right. Um, And I said, Lord, what's going on? And he said, do you want to be made well? I said, what, what is that? You know, what do you mean? I said, God, I need answers here. I need to know what's going on. I'm type A. I need specifics. You know, I need to know how to get from point A to point B in Jesus' name. Stop jacking with me. And he said, do you want to be made well? And I said, yes. No. And then he reminded me of Peter, talking to Peter. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? And all of these things were in my head. The Logos word was here, okay? I understood healing. Yes, Jesus, I know. This, that, and the other thing. I gave him a PowerPoint. And I said, here we go. And and he says, no, do you want to be made well? And he brought me to John chapter 5. And let's turn there because I want to stay there for a few minutes. And you all know the story. And he said, in John chapter 5, yeah, chapter 5, let's start on verse 5, and we're going to stay here so you can keep your, keep your Bible open to this scripture. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. If you remember from the previous verses, that that was the protocol. There was a pool there, and an angel would kind of stir it up, and the first person in the pool would be made well. How many know that's that's kind of like talking about what the world has to offer for remedies, you know? And uh, he says, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, everyone, this is word just keeps on sticking out to me. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm actually doing another study on all of the times the word immediately is in Scripture. Say immediately. Again, immediately. Immediately. I, I want to prophesy right now, God is going to bring a spirit of immediacy to the House of New Life Fellowship. Amen. Now, I know there's processes, and I know we, we, already, we already talked about the fact that there are times where there's no external evidence that we're healed. We know Paul walked around and ministered for a long time with the thorn in his flesh, okay? But let's not dismiss the immediacy, okay? When God delivered me, deliverance and healing, by the way, are connected, okay? Deliverance is a promise, Walking in the victory is a choice, okay? Healing is a promise. Receiving the healing and walking in the victory is a choice, okay? So we need to understand that. We need to understand that. So here's what the Lord said to me. Do you want to be made whole? I did not realize, and by the way, it's interesting that Jesus used the word affirmity here, okay? We don't know. Now, we assume, because he said, rise up and walk, we can assume that Jesus, that this man's infirmity was physical. We can assume that, and it would probably be a pretty good assumption. But you know what? I began to just pick apart this uh, scripture a little bit more, and we really don't know that. The word infirmity in the Greek is a feebleness of body or mind. Another word associated with infirmity is malady, which is a condition or disorder. How many know in the world we got a lot of disorders out there? We got a lot of doctors wanting to slap a definition, ADDHO2, I don't know what they all are, but there's so many disorders, they ran out of acronyms, okay? And they got medication for everything now. And I'm not, but you know what? I can speak this because praise God, God delivered me from Xanax, okay? I had so called, I thought, panic attacks, okay? I hadn't renewed my mind. That was my problem. I had to, I had to get saved and renew my mind, amen? Um, but when the Lord asked me this and brought me to this scripture, I did not realize what he was asking me was, are you ready to let me in your life? Now, I'd been saved 17 years, 18 years at that time, but I felt for the first time that the Logos word was becoming a rhema word. When you can answer that honestly, do you want to be made whole? And you can say yes. 
That, my friends, is the beginning of the healing process. That is the launching point for it. And I'm not saying if flippantly, yes, you know, like Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? But he just kept, he wasn't leaving it alone. Do you want to be met? Lord, I just want answers. Give me the scriptures to go to. Do you want to be made whole? And here's the reality. There are a lot of people out there that just don't want to be made whole. They just do not want to be made well. There is a spirit out there that, and it's, it's really with the young people, but I've also seen adults struggle with this. There's just this addiction to drama. Have you noticed that? There's an addiction to chaos. People aren't happy unless there's something's going wrong. You just can't be having an okay day. It's like foreign. And it's the spirit, and they do not want to be made well. Okay, so you're going to come across people that do not want to be made well, and that's frustrating when you're trying to minister to somebody, you know? And it's sad because there's people, mighty women and men of God, who have walked away from their anointing, walk away from their calling, because they just do not want to be made well. And there's a lot of reasons, and I don't want to go into the reasons why. For me, the reason for so long I did not, I wasn't able to answer that question when Jesus originally asked it to me for 17 years was because for me, I just dismissed the importance of the area in my life that he was trying to touch. I just dismissed it. I didn't see it was, Lord, this is just the way I am. Cop out. Okay? Now, there has not, maybe at times, there's a manifestation of this new wine and this new revelation that I'm allowing God to make me well. But it's a, it's a, it's a work. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. But that was the, that was, when I was able to open my ears to the Lord and say, yes, I want to be made well, I was able at that point to listen to the next. Now he's going to give me an answer. See, first he was answering a question with a question, which really took me a while to stew down over that one because I was, I was pretty mad for a while. But once I did and I actually yielded and wept before him and say, all right, I'm just, have you ever gotten to the point where you're just sick of being sick? You're just sick of being sick. I remember when the Lord delivered me from booze and cocaine in 97 or whenever it was, and I was just to the point where I was just so sick of being sick, and I finally said, Lord, whatever. God loves it when we just throw up our arms and go, whatever, Lord, whatever. And that's when he can start to do a work. So when I said, yes, I want to be made well, I want my life different. I want, you know, praise God if I got another 40 years or whatever, I want the latter part of my life to be better than the former. Amen? I want to press towards the goal to win the prize. I want to hit my calling in the Lord. Amen? And when I said yes to him, when I say yes, Lord, I want to be made well, then he gave me direction. And that's when he said, leave your nap. I said, all right, God, I had no idea what that means. But over the process, over the next weeks and months and talking to Pastor Ray and emailing each other back and forth, I finally realized what that meant, and it was simply this. And it took a long time to get there. But it was simply this, that 
my priorities were, were, were kind of jacked up, and I was putting some things in front of the Lord and even in front of my family, and my identity in Christ, I didn't realize that what he was trying to heal me from personally at that time was an orphan spirit, was an orphan spirit. And my trust and my identity of who I was was about what I did. And I know, I know men, men, as men, a lot of times we can put our identity in, you know, what, is, what do you do? You know, it's the first thing we find out, you know. I don't, I don't know, I don't pretend to know what girls talk about when they first meet. And I don't want to sound presumptuous and put my foot in my mouth, so I'm not even going to try to guess. But I know for men, it's not about, you know, it's about what do you do. You know, that's, that's our rubber stamp on our manhood. What do you do? What do you do for work? What kind of bike you ride? And for me, my identity was always about the company and working and striving and make more. And believe me, I could manipulate the Holy Spirit like the best of them. Okay, I could say, well, I'm providing for my family, and the Bible says that if I can't provide. You know, I put all the right words on it, and I justified it. But what I was doing was I was dismissing, I was marginalizing what the Holy Spirit was trying to heal me from. And the bottom line is, and I know, and I prayed this, and he spoke to me, my effectiveness in the kingdom is going to be so much more dynamic Okay, because I've allowed him to realign my priorities. I've, I've, I've allowed him the privilege, and I've allowed him control. Remember what I said at the beginning. God, a lot of times, is not in control. We've heard it for 20, we've heard it as long as we've been Christian. God's in control. Just trust him. No, he's not. We're in control. He's in charge. Anybody with a teenage daughter knows that I am not in control. I may think I'm in control, I'm in charge, okay? I am not in control. I've got to remind myself of that. So when he told me, leave your net, he began to really speak to me, and I, and I just, you know, I connected with Ray, and I said, Ray, I, God's calling us back. I just, it's just been a long season, and God's really worked in my heart, and, and it was a necessity Hear me on this. It was a necessity that we went back to Massachusetts. And the reason was is because if we did not go back, like the prodigal son, I, was, I would not have been able to come to myself. And that's where Jesus is trying to bring us often, to ourselves, where we says, the Bible says, he, she came to herself. He came to himself. And that's when the light bulb comes on, the Holy Spirit light bulbs comes on, the revelation of the Lord is presented to you, and you can understand it and say, oh, I'm ready to go home. And for me, home was new life. But I was ready to, I was ready to, to rearrange realign, straighten my tree, and say, God, you first. However you want to do it, you're not helmsman anymore, you're not Lee helmsman anymore. You are the officer on the deck, and you can do it any way you want. And I'm here to tell you, ever since I made that decision to, be, to allow the Lord to heal me of something that I marginalized and I didn't think was a big deal, I cannot tell you, I don't have time, I got five minutes, to tell you that his favor... And anointing has been all over us. 
the environment in my home is beginning to actually change. Praise God. Okay? My son, my kids are excited to learn instruments for the house of God, for the Lord. It's just, it's, 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 now we haven't arrived. We're not perfect. We've got a long way to go. But you know what? I can see something. I can see something called fruit. It's a bud, you know? But something has to die for it to live. And I had to die to self, and that's what it's all about. Let's turn to John chapter 9. And this is really what I'm talking about here, that deliverance is God's job. Walking in the victory is our job. And it doesn't have to be contingent upon an external evidence that we are healed. We can be like Mary and say, Lord, according to your word. Because here's the deal. If God hasn't healed you, I mean, if God hasn't given you the external manifestation of the healing, it's because he's trying to do something. Just read the book of Job. Matter of fact, and we don't like this part, as a matter of fact, uh, this person isn't in the church anymore, but God gave me a word for this particular person, is that God actually told uh, Satan, have you considered so-and-so? Now, we don't, like to, we don't like to see the Jesus of that. We don't like to say, well, Lord, don't, yeah, don't give the enemy a, don't give him my name. But that's scriptural. Have you considered my servant Randy? No, don't say that. Because God allows it. God allowed the thorn in Paul's flesh, and there was a reason. I mean, Paul wrote, Paul's writings, he wrote most of the New Testament, so we know what impact he had on the early church. John chapter 9, and I'm almost done. I'll be like Pastor Ray, I'm almost done. 20 minutes later, John... Sorry, Pastor. If you're here, i got to pick on you a little bit. Where is this? I thought I had it in here. Oh, here we go. John chapter 9. Now, we all know this story, you know. He spits on the ground. Pastor Ray was mentioned. I'm not going to do that. He spit on the ground. He made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man. Okay? That's God's role. The anointing is talking about rubbing. It's a rubbing and an impartation, okay? He delivered him, okay? That was God's part. Deliverance is Proverbs, what is that? Proverbs 21, 31, right? Deliverance is of the Lord. There's nothing we do to be delivered because we are delivered. We are healed. We are saved because we've received it. It's there. We got it. I got the keys to my truck somewhere right over there. I, ha- I don't have to pray for my truck. I have my truck. So let's stop praying for something we already have. So he, he spat on the ground, anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and then he said to him, go. Everyone say go. Go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and then what? And then he came back seeing. This is the part, this is our part. His part was the anointing and the deliverance, okay? He was healed. There was no external evidence, just like Mary was pregnant. She didn't have a bump, okay? Couldn't tell she was pregnant, but she was, right? Doesn't matter if you believe in the devil, there is one, right? Doesn't change anything. Go wash yourself in the pool. So he did that. 
He did that, then he came, then the external manifestation. Okay? So walking, he walked out the victory. He was walking in the victory. And that's what God was speaking to me when he said, okay, leave your net. Okay? God had already delivered me. But in order for me to seize that moment and walk in the victory, I had to go. Now, for my go and washing was leave something, not go somewhere. He was telling me to leave something. But, you know, that's deliverance is God's promise, and walking in the victory as an overcomer is our choice. I was listening, listening to KLTY. Is that at KLTY on the 94.9? And... And, and I, you know, bless their hearts. They, 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 their intentions are always, always kingdom principles. But what was it last month was cancer, was, la, was it last month that was cancer awareness, breast cancer awareness month or whatever. And all of these people, uh, obviously mostly women, were calling in. And it was, um, it was just not doctrinally correct. They were calling in and professing how their survivors the survivor mentality and praise God, I help. You know, and it's tough, I get it, but they are more than conquerors in Christ. They are a new creation, saith the Lord. I am not a coke addict. I'm a born-again, tongue-talking, devil-chasing believer. I am redeemed. I am not an alcoholic. I'm not holding on by the grit of my teeth every day. Oh, I hope I don't drink today. I am free. I am free. The world wants to tell me, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. No. I'm a new creation. I'm an overcomer. No temptation has overtaken me, such as common man, but God. I love the but God messages. Amen. All right, so real quick, last thing I want to tell you is now, there's many elements, there's many keys to what it takes to receive healing, but I think there's three things that I know the Lord had to deal with me for me to receive, not only answer the question, do you want to be made well when I was in Massachusetts, but then really leaving your net. That was tough for me. You know, I, I, was, um, I was very high up in the company. I'm an uneducated man, and I mean, I'm, I barely graduated high school, and I was basically very high up as an executive in the company that I worked for for 20 years. So it was tough for me to leave the net that Jesus was asking me to leave. It was really a step of faith. But there were three things as I began to look back at it and said, wow, how did I ever get through that? And I think the first thing that it took which, I don't know, maybe it's more than type A people that struggle with this one. Um, but there was a humility. You know, I had to humble myself before the Lord. And we all know this scripture. We know it. We, we read it all the time. In, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And then it goes on and says, I, They will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So there had to be a humility for me as it was with the prodigal that he came to himself and realized like, wow, I've squandered. Wow, it takes humility to admit that. It was a big chunk of humble pie that I had to eat, uh, crow, whatever you wanna call it, and say, wow, Lord, wow, this is really, I need to make some real serious radical changes. 
And then the second thing it took was, and we all know the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And here's the thing. God will ask us to do stuff in order to heal us that doesn't make sense. And I want to share a quick story with you in a second. The third thing is, everyone say this word, flexible. Flexible. And I want to give you a verse that God really put on my heart because it doesn't read anything about flexibility. But yet in the Hebrew, David said, the psalmist said in Psalm 37, uh, verse 4 and 5, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And I think healing is part of that. He shall bring it to pass. And here's the interesting thing. If you look up the word delight in the Hebrew, it's talking about a pliability. I don't know if that's a word. Pliability and a flexibility unto the Lord. I don't know why they chose the English word delight, because it, it really communicates nothing of what the Hebrew context is there. It's talking about being flexible, being pliable, being teachable. You have to be teachable because God's going to be speaking to you and telling you things that do not make sense. God, you mean put my job on the line to go back to new life? Yes. Wow, that does not make sense. I shared with my dad all the Lord was sharing with me, and he's not a believer, so I didn't use thus saith the Lord a lot in the conversation, but I was sharing with my father, who's a non-believer, about what I was doing. He says, Randy, what part of this story makes sense? This sounds like a stupid idea. And I said, oh, it must be God then. <laughs> it must be God. But it takes a humility, it takes a trust, and it takes a flexibility. We've been talking about the new wines ever since I've been back. What is the new wine? In order to receive it, what does it take? A pliable, flexible skin. And here's a story, a real quick story, and I know I'm five minutes over, but actually, Pastor Ray did a song, so I get an extra five minutes, right? So, and the kids are not going to come down for 20 minutes, so it doesn't matter. So here's the thing. God is going to ask you to do some strange things. I was... Um, this was very early on in my Christian walk, and I actually was a worship leader, which is kind of against Scripture about new converts, but whatever. I was a worship leader after a year being saved. Okay, five-fold ministry, worship leader. And we were renting a, um, actually a Mason's Lodge, which is, that's a doctrine in itself. But anyways, we were in a building fund we bought a piece of property to build a church, and when the hole was dug, the excavating hole for the foundation and the footings, um, my pastor at the time felt that the Holy Spirit told him that we're to have a groundbreaking service, and in this massive hole, we are to bring anything that the Lord puts on heart, idolatry, jewelry, money. It was, there was tears. It was a phenomenal, groundbreaking ceremony where people were throwing in gold and said, Lord, we bury this in Jesus' name. We're not going to build the foundation of the church, right? 
on, on these things. And, and, and everybody brought something different. There were $100 bills. I mean, this is crazy, right? Radical. People were just throwing in everything that just, you know, was a, was a symbol or something that the Lord was putting on their heart. And I was um, out there, and it was muddy out, and I was in my boots, and I had um, my brother, for those of you who don't know, my brother committed suicide um, about a year before that. And he was my best friend, and I was really struggling with the Lord as far as asking him why and just asking a lot of questions and not understanding what good, you know, the Scripture says all things work together for good. And I was really struggling with that at that time. And we were doing some worship songs out there. We did the groundbreaking ceremony. And make a long story short, the service was over, and I was the last one to leave. And there were some visiting ministries, so my pastor had already left to help them back to their cars. And the only people that were left were myself and one of the deacons in the church that was running the bobcat to backfill the hole. And um, when my brother died, he left me some things of sentimental value. And my brother was a musician. He taught me how to play guitar. And one of the things he gave me was an old, old Epiphone guitar that just, it played beautifully, but it was more sentimental than anything else. So I've got the guitar strapped to me, and I grab my backpack and my Bible, and I'm heading up the hill to go back to my car, and I hear the bobcat start, uh, start to backfill the hole. And, and the Lord said, throw the guitar in the hole. And I said, no, I didn't, I didn't hear. I didn't, I, obviously, I didn't hear you correctly, Lord. And he says, no, throw the, throw the, throw the guitar in the hole. And I said, God, this is my brother's, my brother gave this to me, you know, it's the only thing I have to remember him by. And I remember hearing a third time, throw the guitar in the hole. And I just began, and I'm not, those of you who know me, I'm not a very emotional person, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't kind of break up much. And, and I began to just, I uncontrollably just started weeping before the Lord and I knew that I had to do it, but I didn't understand why, you know, at the time. I said, Lord, why? Why? Why would you have? This doesn't make sense. And he brought me to Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, on your own understanding. And I obeyed the Lord that day. And I walked down, and I was just soaked, full of tears. And I just, and I told, uh, uh, what was his name, honey? Tim, Tim Locke. And I said, Tim, Tim. It was so loud. I said, Sh shut the engine off. So he shut it down, and I took my guitar, and I threw it in the hole, and I'm just bawling, and I said, okay, backfill it. And he stopped me. He says, Randy, what are you doing? You know, now, he didn't know, and I, you know, praise God, he didn't understand. I said, Tim, backfill the hole. And he backfilled the hole, and I walked up. And it was two years before the Lord revealed to me what he was doing, and there was idolatry. And you wouldn't think, you're, what, your brother, it's sentimental. I had idolatry in my heart on things and that relationship with my brother. And to the natural, the Bible says to the natural man, these things are foolishness, right? They're spiritually discerned. But God was healing me that day. And I allowed the Lord, and I said, yes, Lord, and I trusted in him, and I was flexible and pliable, and there was humility, and there was tears, and I don't cry much, and it was bawling, and those tears were a purging. 
There was a purging on me. I didn't understand it at the time, and it took two years. But God revealed that to me, and it was such a process and allowing me to understand that there's forms of idolatry that we will just, we will fight to protect, and we won't call it idolatry, but it was. It was idolatry. So I just wanted to share that and say that God is for us. He is going to continue to shape us and mold us into his image. Amen. We are going to be recipients of the new wine. He is going to give this church a healing and an impartation ministry that is going to be a double-barrel shotgun because we're going to bring the objective and the subjective under the authority of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be balanced, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Can you say Amen. I'm saying that prophetically. And I want you to just the rest of the week have an awesome week and just ask the Lord, Lord, if there, is there anything, is there anything that you're trying to reveal to me that needs healing, that needs inward healing? Let's just, let's just bow our heads. Pastor Ray, do you got anything? Lord, I just, uh, boy, Lord, I just wish we had another hour, but... God, I just thank you, Lord, for the privilege of just sharing with the body of Christ, Lord, just a small portion, Lord, of what you're doing, not only in me, Lord, in my wife and my family, but you're doing it with all of us, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we would, as your word says through Chronicles, Lord, that we would humble ourselves, Lord, and that you would heal our land, and we would receive that healing, Lord. And even when there's no outward manifestation or evidence that we're healed, we would stand on your word, and we would just profess, and we would stop praying for something we already have and just profess and declare, Father God, the keys of your kingdom, Father God. And Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that you keep us pliable, you keep us flexible. We would trust on you and not lean on our own understanding. Lord, we would go with power and faith that says I can do all things through Christ. And Lord, we know that as you work in us, Lord, we will, will, and do for your good pleasure, Lord. I just ask that you bless this house and the leadership. Lord, protect it from the fowler snare. Lord, there's so much. I just pray against the, the backbiting and all the spirits that are not of you, Father God, and I just thank you for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray for boldness and power to come forth in Jesus' name, and we would, would no longer be spectators in the kingdom and, and just skirting on the outer court, Lord, but we would enter in into that rest and come to your uh, throne room with boldness, Lord. I just pray for the men's breakfast. I pray for Sunday service. I pray for each and every one right now that has a physical or a soul or a wound issue, Father God. And I just ask you and I declare right now, Lord, that they are made whole in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen, amen.